Ephesians chapter 6. Okay, this morning we'll be discussing children, parents, slaves, and masters. They're not all quite related, but (laughs) I guess it depends on one's view. Anyway, (laughs) and where you live. (laughs) We're going to take an attempt at doing Ephesians 6, 1 through 9. I'll start with the, the children, parents section. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your, and your mo- and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And then fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we'll stop there for now. Children, the word there is techna and is not limited to small children, but could uh, also be used of actually even adult children that are living under their parents' roof, you know. Um, you know, where, where the parent says, you know, gee whiz, Fred, you're 46, man. Isn't it time to move on? <laughs> Come on, son. <laughs> yeah. But in that sense, the techno would apply to someone like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, another word for children is pedion that refers to infants and the very young. Example is in an Turner, Matthew 19. Just to just to get us straight here, Matthew 19, verse 13 and 14, a familiar passage. Matthew 19, 13 and 14 say, Then some children were brought to him, that would be Christ, so that he might lay his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus says, Let the children alone, and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And we're talking here, you know, infants, toddlers, very small children. It sounds like those, uh, that you know, two, three, four, like that, very young kids that are probably too young to make any kind of real profession, but are just so open, to, they believe almost anything you tell them, you know, that's the, <laughs> so, and back to Ephesians, where it says, uh, children, obey your parents, uh, the word literally means to listen under, or to hear under, I mean, to listen, in other words, to listen attentively, and to respond positively to what is heard, okay, obey, you hear something, do it, right kids, that's what we do, right, <laughs> I didn't hear an amen. Come on. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> In other words, children are to put themselves under the words and authority of their parents. Okay? Uh, matter of fact, Proverbs will be, you might want to stick something there in Proverbs. Uh, we'll be popping back and forth there for a while. But, but right at the beginning of the book, Proverbs 1.8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Okay? So you've got the whole parent thing working there, and we'll get into that in a minute. And then in, uh, in 6.20 of Proverbs, it says, uh, My son, observe the commandments of your father, and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Say it again. When things are... How many times does the Bible have to say something 
to make it true? <laughs> Once. Now, if you hear it again and again... Something to take note of. Yeah, I don't want you to forget. It's, it's emphasis. Yeah. Emphasis. It's kind of like when Jesus says, you know... Um, Verily, verily, I say to you, you know, sometimes you'll say verily, sometimes you say verily, verily. And so, you know, it's the same idea here. So when you keep hearing over, in Proverbs, you'll hear that again and again. It's just all through there. And then in the Lord, where it says in the Lord back in Ephesians, is the, is the sphere of obedience. Okay. In other words, children obeying their parents in the refl- is, is really reflective, hopefully, of their obedience to the Lord. And that's where our parenting is hoping to arrive, right? Um, Now, disobedience to parents, and we need to look at this, is often listed with some of the most grievous of sins. And that should tell us something, too. Let's look at Romans 1, speaking of grievous sins. If you want to get a rundown on sinful ugliness, just Go over to Romans 1, 18 to 32. If you haven't got enough on the evening news, <laughs> you're going to always go here. You know, um, so beginning just 28 to 32 on this one, that's all we can take this morning. <coughs> Speaking of those that he's already said twice, he gave them over. Um, verse 28 says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all ungodliness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are, ooh, even got gossips in there. So, slanderers, haters of God, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. I mean, that's quite a list. And, matter of fact, let's go to 2 Timothy, speaking of emphasis, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brooders, and again, haters of good. And we could just keep going, but we won't. (laughs) But you see that? And you know, there's a reason for that, too. When God originally established the family, and you look, the family unit is the really the cornerstone of society. You mess up that family unit, you are going to ruin society. And guess what's happening in our day-to-day? I mean, it's coming from all facets. It's coming from everywhere. It's coming right out of our government, even. It's just, it's the, um, along that same line, I just heard on the news this morning, you know, watch the news, you get prepared for church, right? But I was, but the World Health Organization has just come out and said, you know, abortion should be readily available to everybody for any reason, any time. It's ridiculous. World health. Anyway, 
And now, in verse 2, back to chapter 6, where it says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. We're going to look at the commandment and the promise. Now, honor means to revere, hold in high esteem, or just respect, show respect. And hopefully it'll be a real respect, not, uh, the, the word says, not like eye service, which we'll get into with the slaves and masters later, hopefully. But Proverbs 23, verses 22. Proverbs 23, 22 to 25, say, Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy, buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and, and he who begets a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. You know, I guess you could say here, man, there's, from a per- there's nothing worse than a dumb kid, right? So it's just... <laughs> but... But wisdom here is is biblical wisdom. And like uh, kids and children that are seeking after God, I'll tell you, as a parent, there really isn't any greater joy than that. You know? And the opposite side of the coin is also true. There isn't any greater pain when one does not. You know? Yeah. I mean, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren... Great great grandchildren, if we live that long, you might just do it. <laughs> Leviticus nineteen also has some things to say, but we'll pass that. It's fairly the same thing. Now, there's an example, Matthew fifteen, one to nine, a man, it, there's an example of dishonor, dishonoring parents. And this one is a little subtle, but it's there. Matthew 15, beginning at verse 1, go 1 through 9. Then some of the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, saying, Why do disciples transgress the tradition of of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Which was a tradition, not a command right there, what they were talking about. And he answered and said to them, And why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? <laughs> for God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him be put to death. Uh, the Old Testament law took dishonoring parents very seriously. Uh, verse 5 goes on, But you say, and again, and here's where the dishonoring of parents comes in, by our Pharisees and Sadducees scribes, you know. But you say, whoever shall say to his father or mother, anything of mine you might have have been helped by and, and has been given to God. You know, the money that could have been supporting a parent or mom and dad that were in need. But I'm, I need to give it to God. And guess who the, who the, who the recipients of God's money was? Them. Them. Okay, he is not to honor his father or his mother, and thus you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Verse 7, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy you, saying, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me, but in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. 
honor your father and your mother. You notice because the you look at the age of these Pharisees, they're not little kids. So as far as honoring father and mother, there's no statute of limitations on this. There's no statute of limitations on this. Okay? You might be in your 60s and you got parents, honor your parents. It doesn't say honor the perfect parents. It just says honor your parents for who they are. Okay? Right. Now, this is the, this, just honor your father and mother, is the fifth commandment. We don't need to turn there. But Exodus twenty twelve. Now the first now the, of the ten commandments, the first four refer to man's duty to God. And the remaining six apply to man's duty to man. And the very first one is honor your father and your mother. Because again, that is mandatory for societal health. I mean, I don't know how else you put it. It it just is. You you mess that one up and society crumbles. And you notice how the families are getting weaker and weaker as time goes by. Our nation is getting weaker and weaker right along with it. And that's not the only problem we have, but that is a big one. That is a big one. I, I agree with what you said, Bob, but I do have a question in my heart. At what point do our sons and daughters brothers and sisters and we honor them as such you know I have grandchildren that are well beyond the age of accountability and they're not walking with the Lord mm-hmm. so I have to consider them still as as hard as it is to say even mm-hmm. not obedient not only to their parents and their grandparents, but to the Lord, most importantly. Mm-hmm. So at what point do we look at them and say they are no longer sons and daughters, but now they are brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, I say, I say praise the Lord when a son and daughter becomes a, a believer. At that point, you've got a dual relationship. You've got the parental relationship. And you've got the brother and sister in Christ relationship. And the two of them, I think, can coexist. There, there's no problem. I, I don't see a problem with that. You know, and because, again, the saved child is still under the authority of the parents at home. So, I mean, that doesn't change. That doesn't change at all. And uh, Thank you for agreeing with me. Oh, Good. <laughs> Yeah, good, good. I'm, I'm glad, too, because uh, we got enough stuff here. I just don't have time for conflict resolution this morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you think, I mean, uh, unsaved children, grandchildren, et cetera, you know, quite frankly, they're, they're part of the mission field that is closer to us, and we, as the Lord gives opportunity you know without beating them over the head remember the 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 word of god is a sword not a club just take those opportunities to express the gospel to them and uh, obviously pray for them and i know you do that but 
I'm just throwing it out there for all of us. And it says this is back. To, we okay with it? Okay, yeah. again. Ephesians six. This it says it's the first commandment with a promise. Well, the promise is quoted in verse three, and it's an interesting one. That it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Now, Paul, as an apostle, took a uh, and a receiver of revelation took a little bit of revelatory, not license, but, and changed the wording just a bit to fit the church. I've got it in the, uh, in our notes so we didn't have to look it up for, I kind of knew we'd be long, so I just put these quotes in the notes. Now, that it may be well with you that you may live long on the earth, in verse 3. Now, you compare that with Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, okay, and even those two are a tad different from each other. Look at uh, Exodus 20, obviously the first one, with the, when the commandments were first received. It says, Your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Okay? That's right there. That's like only if... That's right at the very beginning. They're, they're not but a couple of months out of Egypt. And now you go down to the next one, Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Your days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. There's a slight change there. So you have the original Ten Commandments, the original one off the, in, verse, in Exodus 20, and now 40 years later, when they're getting ready to cross into the Promised Land, it's stated a little bit different. When again, Moses, being a prophet, says it a little bit different, but the, the, uh, the thought does not change. The command does not change. He's saying, you do well that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord gives you. Um, but the days may be prolonged and things would go well. Now, you, as they go in, you, you read the story of uh, the history of Israel. Um, it didn't take long. By the time Joshua passed on, things started not going very well. You get into the time of the judges, right? They didn't heed the warnings. They, everything started falling apart. Um, and then when you read the one that we've got to, in, in Ephesians, where it says uh, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Okay? It's not just we're in the, we're in the church age, if you will, a different era, We'll be getting a little bit of that in Sunday, and quite frankly, I'll just let you know now, unless something changes our minds, I'm planning after Ephesians to do kind of like an overview of prophecy, so I can get the prophetic flow of uh, things to make things more understandable, and hopefully, but uh, we'll see that there, And, and the difference here is the church is the, basically the kingdom of God on earth. We're not limited to a small geographical location. Our Jesus said, go into the whole world. <laughs> okay, so um, anyway. Now, you note, the opposite would also be true, that ungodly living may very well shorten one's life. Again, 
it's in the news, on the papers, radio, TV, you know, people dying young. And about kids again, going back to the kids, and I don't want to, we got good kids here, don't we? Yeah, see, I got a couple of nods back there, yeah. <laughs> we got you. And, I mean, uh, you know, but you see, you can see it, what happens now. Uh, many of these crimes that are being committed, the smash and grabs and carjackings, teenagers, teenagers are doing a lot of them. It's it's scary how that what's going on with that that uh, things have fallen apart to that level in society where a lot of the kids are just running wild out there, running wild. First, I'm gonna, First Corinthians chapter eleven. We'll just I want to look at that one about believers about shortened life for believers as well is a possibility if we foul up too bad too. 1 Corinthians 11, 28 to 31, this is that section that uh, is often read on a communion Sunday. 28 to 31 says this, uh, about going to, prior to taking communion, where, where Paul is saying, hey folks, you need to examine yourself to make sure you're right with God, that you're, there's no real sin in your life, and you're coming to the table worthy. And it says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. In other words, if you go to, if someone goes, receives the communion and uh, has sin in their life, that they have unrepentant sin, that they fully intend, as soon as church is over, I'm going to keep committing that sin. This is, what, this is who this is talking to. Okay, don't. Don't do that. Better repent, mean it, then take communion. For this reason, verse 30, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we should should not be judged. So some are weak, some are sick, a number sleep. That is gone. They've, They've assumed room temperature. Okay. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna jump. We're gonna we're gonna jump over to the parents now. See if we can't get a couple of amens out of them. <laughs> yeah. Parents, well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Paul obviously knew where the, where the real problem is. They spent uh, three verses on the children and one on the parents. <laughs> but you, you, can, you can look at it that way. Um, <laughs> they will. It's good, for, it's, it's good for all of us. 6.4, it says, uh, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, fathers, pateras, usually refers to the male parent, but is also used of both parents. And I believe the context favors parents in this section 
basically you look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents. <laughs> okay? So the context here. First, now, I can see the emphasis on the male, as we've seen before, the man being the head of the home, you know, the wife being subjected to the husband. And so you have that, so I can see why it's uh, said that way. And it says of the parents, do not provoke your children to anger. Either one of the parents is quite capable of doing that, <laughs> okay? You know, and what that's talking about, this phrase suggests an ongoing pattern of behavior that uh, builds up deep-seated anger and resentment, bringing about outward hostility. That's what that word's talking about, uh, provoking the children to anger. And I just put a few things that could do that. Excessive physical discipline, and I put slash child abuse, Okay, uh, corporal punishment is one thing. Child abuse is entirely different. <laughs> okay, cursing and other forms of verbal abuse, just ragging, you just, man, it's, I haven't heard it much up here, but I tell you, down in California, I've heard some stuff parents say to kids that you're not allowed to say on TV. And... Some of the kids are saying it right back to the parents. It's like, ay, ay, ay. I go, man. You know, it's like, wow. And then one thing that can do it is like, you know, never complimenting a child for a job well done. Just, you know, they figure like, you know, what, they don't know what their standing is. And here's one, showing favoritism of one child over another. That will do it. And I put there, Jacob and Esau, remember them? <laughs> and even Joseph. Even Joseph, he was kind of like the favored son, and the other 12 got jealous, and, you know, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. But still, you see what it, what it can do. So, you know, it's, it's like one thing, one thing you never do, why can't you be like your brother, or why can't you be like your sister? You know, why don't you give me a break is how the kid's going to respond to that, you know? <laughs> I think a, a big one, too, is any kind of hypocrisy. You know, oh. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it may not make them angry, but it'll sure make them look cross-eyed at the gospel. I mean, that's definitely what you don't want to do to your little mission field at home. You know, you seriously don't want to do that. And it goes on to say in, in verse 4, bring them up in, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline basically just means the overall training of the child, including appropriate punishment. And there is appropriate punishment. I mean, a lot of it's listed in Scripture. Spare the rod, spare the rod spoil the child. That doesn't mean you tie them to a post and beat them half the day. I mean, that's not it I mean, logic, logic. <laughs> you know, and some people choose not to do it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to parent your kids. You, some people do it differently. That's between some, you, some the Lord, and your kids. <laughs> some kids need a heavier hand. They do. They do. We've had we've had kids that needed very little discipline uh, and we had others that wear you out <laughs> you know, so, I mean I mean, kids are just like grown ups imagine that, kids hopefully eventually will become grown ups and we are of all different personalities and so are they and so are they so you're going you're gonna to get all kinds and I guess as they say it takes all kinds right and Proverbs 23 is an interesting one I kind of 
2313. I, I want to straighten out a word here, too, <laughs> that, that kind of might sounds a little scary. It says, uh, <clears throat> 2313 says, Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you beat him with the rod, <laughs> he will not die. Say, <laughs> so right there, there's, the, there's an unspoken commandment. You know, you can't kill him. <laughs> you just, you can't. No matter what they do, that's that's a no-no. That's that's not good. Okay. And then uh, fourteen says again, use the word. You shall beat him with the rod and and deliver his soul from Sheol, which there means the grave. Okay. Now the word the word beat just means hit, smack. You want to use the word paddle? Go ahead. That's what we're talking about here. We're not, I mean, again, it's not like you got them out in stocks, you know, like you got your, you know, know, put them out there. One's hitting the other's throwing vegetables, right? But no, that's not, that's not what they're talking about here at all. It's just in terms of corporal punishment, hey, there's a limit, okay? And uh, exercising corporal punishment when you're angry is not a good thing either. Okay. But anyway, like I say, I will leave how you do that to yourself. Instruction, interesting word. Nuthesia. Some of you, at least one of you in this room should recognize that word. There, yeah, it comes from a form of counseling that is called nuthetic counseling. As opposed to psychologists and heathen counselors. <laughs> nuthetic means you go to the scripts. And you counsel using the scriptures. And the word nuthesia literally means putting in mind or you know, putting something in another one's mind or giving counsel to another. And again, of the Lord, that this discipline and instruction should always be in accordance with God's word. I mean, that's a given. But that's, that's the fear, the sphere of this whole thing is in the sphere of the Lord and his revelation to us. And, you know, that, that, uh, that proverb that says, train up a child in the way she, he will go, and then when he's old, he'll, he'll follow it. You, you train him up with this, with the word. And um, guarantee, self, now salvation is by grace. We understand that. But this is where you want to teach. And then the rest is between them and the Lord. You can do all you can do. And that's train them up using biblical principles, stressing to them the importance of them following said principles, you know. So you're not going to force anyone. You can't. You can't. Happen. No. It's, it's like witnessing. You know, you're never going to argue anybody into the kingdom, and you're not going to beat your kids into submission. It doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it's just that's that's not the way it goes. Now, a real cheery topic: slaves. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you discipline with the word, then 
Exactly. And I'm the one that God is using to, to help you see truth. Right. Um, but eventually, as you get older, you're going to have to stand on your own two feet, and I won't be there. Mm-hmm. So teaching them in the Lord is, I think, super important to remember. I, I read the other Proverbs, which is um, the 1324. Uh, but you lose them. Yeah, you can. You know, if we hadn't come to the Lord and come to this church to help mentor us, our kids would be totally different because we were disciplining and correcting. And, um, and so that's a huge difference, I think, with raising children. Exactly. And, and by doing that, see... By using the word of God, you you are appealing to a higher power. And also, see, by by training them up apart from the word of God, it's basically what a parent would then be doing is the parent then would be exercising them to follow their will as opposed to God's will. And, And we could be getting in the way of that and making mistakes ourselves, not really fully understand what God's will is in all these various situations. See, uh, look at the world. Look at the world. You just have to, you don't have to look far to see the mess that's out there. People doing it under their own strength, their own understanding, following other humans, see, and it can only go one way. Yeah, we didn't have a vote. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so I, I try to tell them that this isn't coming from me. This is this is totally the Lord, um, which I think is what's missing a lot in even Christian homes. Like you're raising them and disciplining them, but you're missing the, the word, the word, the actual truth that is behind why you're disciplining. I totally agree. Totally agree. Good point. I I have put in a little word to just about. No, 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 no. I'm very glad that he has a plan for you. Yeah, and remember, Ephesians is written to believers mm-hmm. that should know better. But that does not, because someone out there is not doing it, quote, the right way, God's grace doesn't stop. God's grace overrules a whole lot of stuff. Just look at our own lives. Yes, yes, yes. You know? Just look, just look in the mirror and says, grace of God. <laughs> more grace, have a little more hair, but what the heck, you know? <laughs> okay, are we ready for the slaves? Speaking, kids, you ready for the slaves? Give your parents some more ideas? <laughs> now, this one, quite frankly, I, as we go through it, we've got about 15 minutes or so left. That I wasn't planning on camping on this a lot for one big reason. Thankfully, slavery is not part of our lives anymore. However, there are principles here that we can apply to the business, the, the workplace. 
So slaves being the employees, and where you work you may feel like one, and then masters would be to the employer. Okay? All right. Slaves. Okay, let me f- five through eight. <clears throat> slaves, be obedient to those who are, who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in, in, sincere, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Okay? Not by way of eye service as men pleases, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Interesting. Or free. It's almost like Paul is like saying, hey, you can apply this to the workplace. <laughs> or free. All right. And masters will get to them later. Slave is doulos, sometimes translated bondservant in a lot of our translations. It literally means one who is under bondage to another. In other words, owned. <laughs> owned. I mean, the New Testament writers thought of themselves as slaves of Christ, and they often open their letters like that. I'll just give you Romans 1 1. Paul, a bondservant, doulos, of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle. Okay, there it is. And you, you can just read the rest of them. Slavery in the New Testament is also discussed in Colossians 3 22, 1 Timothy 6 1, and then the book of Philemon. Are you familiar with that little letter to Philemon? Philemon is or was a slave owner. Matter of fact, the church, he was in Colossae. The church met in his house. And Onesimus was one of his slaves that hit the road. He, he ran off. He ran into Paul. Yeah, and he, and he, and he, he ran all the way to Rome and bumped into Paul. And, you're, and, and as a lot of people did, when you bump into Paul, you're liable to get saved. He did. <laughs> okay, and you read the story, and then Paul writes back to, and he became very profitable in ministry. So Paul basically writes back to Philemon saying, hey, he might have been useless to you, <laughs> but he's very useful to me. Uh, I'm sending him back. And if he owes you anything, charge it to my account. And that's, I mean, that's a very sketchy thing, but it was there. And you notice one thing, Jesus and the New, and the New Testament writers, they never wrote anything at all against slavery. I'm not saying that because I promote it. I don't want it. I don't believe it. I'm in it. Um, don't like it. Um, even in a legal system, wouldn't own it. Just, that's just not my cup of tea. I'm just not interested at all. Now, <clears throat> hired servants is mentioned, actually, I believe, in First Peter 2. I'll look there because that has more relevance to us today. First Peter 2, 18 to 20. But again, the principles don't change. They're, they're, use, they're usable. 2.18. Servants is a different word. It's not doulos here. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and, and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable. Okay? For this finds favor in the sake of conscience toward God. A, a, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there when when uh, you sin and a harshly and, and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. So, in other words, you you work for a crummy boss, a crummy company, just suck it up, 
give them a good day's work for your pay, earn your pay, don't complain. One benefit you, ha we ha you have, not being a slave, is if you're really that bad, you can go find someplace else to work, which uh, many do. Now, I'm going to just run through these notes real fast. Like, and again, whatever historical source you find, you're going to find little different tidbits of information. I'm just going through very quickly. Slaves in the Greco-Roman era were the result of being prisoners of war, and those who were illegally, mind you, illegally seized and sold by pirates to slave traders. In the first century AD, the Romans were less abusive to slaves than in prior years, and some of them were treated pretty bad in the you know, in that era. But slaves were often, I mean, slaves in the first century, especially when Christianity started moving, slaves were uh, freed in great numbers. Just turn them loose, free them. Just give them their freedom papers and send them. Send them walking. And you look at it, a lot of them did it because you, you compare it, and I, I'm going from memory on the, what I read, I just didn't put on the notes, but there were some slaves that requested, hey, I want to stay your slave for life. It was a better gig than out there knocking heads with the world because they were actually uh, in a better financial situation as a slave than being on the low end of the pay scale. They were provided shelter, food, clothing, and they were given five denarii a month, which is five days' pay. Well, the people that were getting 30 days' pay <laughs> were just barely making it in terms of buying food, clothing, housing, they were just scraping, just barely scraping. These guys had five denarii to play around with. Okay, so there you have it. Now, a note. Slavery in the Americas and most of the world at that time, by the way, it wasn't just, I know there's some people that just hate this country that live here. <clears throat> I would like to remind them the door swings both ways, but I, I digress, was primarily people who were seized and sold into slavery, a practice condemned in the Roman Empire and in Scripture. And in Scripture. 1 Timothy 1.10, for the sake of time, and um, Exodus 21.16, which is a, the whole chapter 21 of Exodus, if you want to read about slavery in the Old Testament, which I'm not even going to touch today, you can read it there and other places. But 1 Timothy 1.10, get a, uh, a New Testament flavor on it, says, <clears throat> speaking, again, one of those famous lists of sins, verse 10 says, and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers. Kidnappers. Men-stealers. I think the King James called them uh, men-stealers. Um, that's, that's illegal. And, and it goes in liars and so forth, perjurers, and whatever is contraceptive. So that is, and it's, it's uh, laid out also in, in Exodus 21 that, that's a no-no. Just a side note to that, um, without getting into massive historical <laughs> controversy or something, but in this day and age of, of talk of reparations and those kinds of things, um, I had a friend of mine who was a missionary to Africa, went over there, and in, in recent years, you know, this whole reparations talk has been going on for like five years. Mm -hmm. And he says, you, he's the African guy, which I could do his dialect a little bit, you guys in America, you have it all wrong. He says, you think you stole those people. He says, we gave them to you. He says, we sold them. We got rid of the people we didn't want. And which this was a, this was a uh, minister. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, you study history, and there were, I call them the warring tribes, would go in and just, just scoop up entire villages and then haul them to the coast and sell them to the, the slave runners on the ships. Yeah, a lot of those were Anglos. You had Arabs pulling up. You had Orientals pulling up. You had people from all over the world buying slaves. And, um, uh, but again, that's... You see that in all the other cultures. It's, yeah. It's, the Americas are not unique. In <clears throat> you see. Yeah. Slavery has ended in the United States, Canada, I think most of South, virtually all of South America, still exists in Asia, China. Some of our Christian brothers and sisters are slaves in China, by the way. Okay. It's in the Middle East. Now it says, uh, obey your masters. The... Uh, <clears throat> The master's kurios, <laughs> which is the word for Lord, by the way. Same word used in six one. Obey your parents in the Lord, kurios. Okay, it has various applications. Uh, according to the flesh, shows the temporal nature of the masters. Yeah, they've got rule over you now, but God is our ultimate master, and that's the one whom we ultimately serve. And then the fear and trembling just essentially means honor, respect. Just show them respect. For their position. Because it was, slavery was indeed legal back then. And that's why they went, and then in all sincerity of your heart, committed to doing the job. Um, And again, as also to Christ, again, this should be the motive at the workplace as well. Like 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Okay. If you do a bang-up jog at work, somebody may ask you, hey, you do such a great job. Why is that? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. And it gives you an open door to perhaps share the gospel. I think of Joseph. He was sold into slavery, and, and he was, as unto the Lord, wherever he went, whatever situation. And yeah, that's an excellent example of somebody that, yeah, overachieved in that area, obviously. <laughs> And then masters, we'll end with this just briefly. We've got the verses here you can look up at home if you'd like on the other stuff. But uh, verse 6, 9, chapter 6, verse 9 says, And masters do the same things to them. Interesting. And give up, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. Interesting. Hey, masters, and then again, Christians, hey, masters, the real master is the Lord. That's why he can say your, their masters and your masters are the same. And it's, the wording is great the way he says it. Both their master and yours is in heaven. So he was, 
He went like right by the masters to the real one, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, that's all of our boss. That's the one that you're going to be held account to. Do the same thing, it says to them. Well, what same thing? Well, verse 6, when you're as, as the uh, boss, not by way of eye service, as men pleasers, <clears throat> but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, rendering service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. In other words, be, be kind, be gracious, be a good boss. Yes, you have a right to expect a day's work for a day's pay. That is not being erased here. But you don't have to be a jerk about it is kind of where this is going, you know. I mean, and also I like the last phrase is, and there is no partiality with him. That's the master, the big man. He does not show partiality, and uh, neither should the, uh, the master or the employer. However, I, I can see the, when we're not talking about here, like some guy produces more and they're paid more than somebody that produces less. That's not what we're talking about, impartial. We're talking about everybody's treated by the same standard. That's what this is talking about, the same standard. Yeah, we did. I come, Acts 10.34, might as well end with that. It must have been good. I put it down. I can't remember what exactly it is. 10.34 says this. And opening his mouth... Peter said, I mean, you had to know that was Peter coming. <laughs> but anyway, and open his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. And just to put a exclamation point on that. And, and that goes in the church, too. You know, leadership, bad move showing partiality. Not to be done. Um, folks, our inner workings with each other, not to show partiality. Parents with kids, not to show partiality. I mean, that's just a rule of life that we need to follow. Let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for uh, that, that you've called us into your kingdom. And then, Lord, we, we pray that you would, again, be with our children, be with our parents, and and those who work and those who employ. Again, Lord, we just thank you for these folks, and may they be a glory and honor to you in their daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen.